Good morning, friends. How are we? That's good. Okay, adults, you're going to have to, this is, this is participatory, all right? So the students are ready. Adults, how are we this morning? I'm happy all six of you are excited to be here. That's really great. So super cool. Um, hey, uh, my name is Zach Coffin, and I had the awesome privilege of getting to hang out with your students um, all week. And I know um, many of you, you've got students here, your kids participated, and I just want to say thanks for trusting uh, your kids to us this week. It was incredible what God did. And what I love about what God does is that God is a eternal God, that he's been working in the past, he works in the present, and he will do work in the future. And so I just want to give you some hope today that no matter where you're coming in today, that God wants to meet you right where you're at, that he wants to meet you exactly with where, uh, where you are currently right now. God, God's not looking at you with, uh, with sadness and like, oh, maybe they're, you know, like, oh, I'm disappointed in them. Or, oh, maybe if they could just get their life together, I could love them a little bit better. Like, that's not how God rolls. And what I love about Serve Week is that it gives us a chance to focus in and remember who God says that we are and who God says about other people. That God actually has a plan for your life and a plan for the life of the people around you. And, and um, I, I, I just get this sense today that some of us, th- this isn't even part of the message, this is for, this is for somebody. Um, some of us, I think, in this room have forgotten to dream a little bit. That life has really kind of knocked you in the teeth and you're coming in this morning and you're pretty weary and you're pretty tired. Um, I didn't say this to the other the other. The other services. So this, I I just really just, this is for somebody like you came today and you're really, really tired. You're really tired. And I, I want you to hear me this morning that God sees you, that he loves you and that he wants to walk with you, not just in the happy times of your life, but even in the hard stuff. That even in the hard thing, like the presence of pain is not the absence of God. The presence of pain is not the absence of God, my friends. The presence of pain is an opportunity for God to meet you in your hardest, darkest points. And here's what I've been learning, especially these last few months. Like my family's coming out of a kind of pretty tough few months. And what I've asked God to do in the midst of these really hard things is to meet my pain with equal intensity of his goodness. Because I don't know what else to pray in those times. I, I want God to meet me with equal intensity of my pain. Because I know that, in the, that, that I know that I can experience his goodness even in the midst of my pain. Because his goodness, it isn't necessarily that he's going to alleviate the pain. Sometimes it happens, but sometimes the pain doesn't get alleviated. But his, his very presence is his gift. Knowing the nearness of God is actually with you, walking beside you, walking you through those hard things is actually one of the sweetest places to be. Because in our weakness, he is made strong. In our pain, he, he perfects us. He molds us and he shapes us. If we are willing to say, God, this is terrible and I need you in this right now. Wow. 
So, so here's, uh, we're going to, we're starting this message a little bit differently because I, 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 it just feels really heavy to me right now. And I just want to pray for you. Can I do that? Can I pray for you? Would that be okay? And if you would, if you're, if you're, and again, nobody's looking around, this is family time. If you're a guest with us today, like we're super cool. You're here. And like this prayer is not just for people who go here, (laughs) Like you're, you're in, you're, you're a part of us now. You're one, you're, you're, you're in the family. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. And you can be super chill and discreet about it if you want. Like if you're like, if you're like, I'm just going to hold my hand out like this. Like you can totally be super sneaky about it. But if you, if you're in that place of just really, really hard right now, I just want you to hold out your hands. Like you want to receive a gift from God. I just want to pray over you. If you don't want to, you can just do it in your head. It's fine. But I just want to pray over you. Okay. Can I pray over you? Father, I just, um, God, I just pray for your nearness over each and every situation in this building, God. God, the places where we are at the end of our ropes, the places of deep pain, the places where we just need some relief, Lord, I pray for provision and relief over my friends. God, in the places where there's questions and doubts, God, I pray, I pray not only that you would bring answers to those questions and those doubts, God, but that would you, you bring your very self to those things. Would you speak life, God? It says that, that, that your presence, God, one of your names is peace. You're the prince of peace. Peace is at your hand. Like you're, you're in control of peace. That's what you do. You're a God of peace. And so, Father, I pray over my friends right now, God. I pray the peace of God that transcends all understanding to guard their hearts and their minds, God. That the peace of God, that your very presence would guard what we think and would guard what we feel. And God, you would reveal yourself. And so, God, I just even pray specifically for provision where there seems to be no way, God, that you truly would make a way. I pray for marriages today, God, that are just that are just really tough right now. God, that would would you bring peace to those marriages, God? Bring communication and clarity to those places. God, I pray for people who need physical healing today. And God, I just pray for those of us that are just tired. That are just tired, God, would you breathe Holy Spirit into us and give us a little bit more strength to stand today? Because it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. We ask these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. Amen, amen, amen. Okay. So, um, man, God is good. And he wants to meet you in those things. So um, with my with my with my normal day job, like I get to I get to help lots of churches. I get to to be a part of some really cool places and get to meet with some pretty amazing people who do youth ministry and kids ministry across the country. And about two years ago, I was in this room with 250 or so national youth ministry uh, like church leaders and denominational leaders. Like this room represented hundreds of thousands of teenagers across uh, North America, and we were all getting together to kind of really pray together and and believe for revival and learn about what God's wanting to do and, and just cheer each other on and those types of things. And we did something this time that was a little bit different. It was so stinking awesome. We, we actually invited some high school students to come in and, and we just listened to them talk for like 10 or 15 minutes. And so like, if you picture kind of a room like this and the, the students were kind of lined up behind me or whatever, you know, and there's high school students and some of them were junior, senior, sophomores, um, Freshman two, and they were all just kind of sharing. And then how we ended that time together was really unique where they said, hey, you've got this room full of leaders. 
You've got this room full of national people. Like, they, they talk to lots of pastors about youth ministry and about kids' ministry and all that stuff. Like, what do you want them to know? Like, if there's one thing you could tell them, we're going to give you guys the last word. What's the one thing you want them to know? And this high school senior, I don't, I don't remember her name, but I will never remember this moment. It's a moment that God marked my life when I heard what she said. You could tell that she was kind of sitting there thinking a little bit, and she's sitting in her chair, and the mic comes to her, and... She kind of takes a deep breath a little bit. And then it was, it was like, it, you could just see this Holy Spirit confidence well up inside of her. This just confidence from God just went, I mean, you could, it, I, I, don't, I don't remember if her shoulders kind of went back and she kind of sat up a little bit, but that's what you felt like, that's what you felt in the room was her kind of just like. And she said, give us the real Jesus. She says, don't water it down. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't give us fluff. She said, tell us about the Jesus that I read about the scriptures. Like, I want to know that Jesus. I want to know about the Jesus that's going to cost me something. That, that if I'm, you guys tell me you want us to give our lives to this, but I want to know that my life can be trusted to him. So tell me those stories about the real Jesus. Like it's, it's that moment, my friends, where it, it, like something like, like I, I, I've been around students, I've been preaching for a while, but there was something different inside of me, the way that she said it with such conviction and such clarity that it's like, that's what I want in my life. Like I want an encounter with the real Jesus, the real authentic Jesus. Like I don't want to just play church and show up and go through the motions and kind of do the thing. Like I want to know the Jesus of the scriptures. I, wanna, I want that to be what comes up in my life. I want the Holy Spirit to fill me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet to change the way that I think, to change the way that I feel. Not because God's disappointed with his creation, but because he loves me so much that he doesn't want to leave me where I'm at because where he wants me to go, he needs needs me to grow and change and shift because he wants to use me to show other people his love. And I'll let you in on a little secret. That's not just for pastors. Like that's God's inheritance for you as sons and daughters. He says in Matthew 28, go into all the world and make disciples. That's not a call just for clergy and for pastors and people, you know, who wear collars or wear jeans or whatever, whatever your church does. I know this church doesn't do that. Some churches do. Like he wants to empower you by the power of his spirit to go out into Muncie or Yorktown or Daleville or Eaton or Gaston or whatever other city I'm forgetting that you came from today. And he wants to use you to change that very community, not by your strengths and your skills and your passion, but by taking those, touching with the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden your gifts and your talents become spiritual gifts that are used for ministry, used for ministering to other people. Your gifts are used by God to show other people that he's crazy about them. He doesn't want to use your mouth to show people how judgmental you are. He wants to use your mouth and your hands and your feet to show people the real, authentic, full Jesus 
And you know what blows my mind? The more that I want to encounter this Jesus, the more he shows me who he is, the more he makes me like him. And then following him is not a chore, it's a privilege. Because I love following my dad. I love imitating my father. I love seeing what he's doing and being a part of that. And friends, that's what he wants to do with you. Serve week is not just a week that we, we do this thing and then we move on with life. These are weeks that are flag in the sand moments that say, what I was before serve is not what I'm gonna be a week from now, but this is going to change who I am and change the way I walk it out. So in John chapter four, Jesus is meeting and, and Jesus has this choice. Like if you, if you look at John chapter four, it says this, it says, now Jesus had to go through Samaria. And if you think about this room as Israel, that was like a shift without a clutch. That was just like, boom, you know, we're gonna go. John chapter four. If you think about Israel as this room, Jesus, it says Jesus had to go through Samaria. So he was in Judea, he had to get to Galilee. And what was so interesting about this is Jesus, it said he had to go through Samaria. Normally what you would do on this type of a journey is you would go around Samaria because Jews and and Samaritans did not get along. But Jesus said he had to go through. And when the Samaritan woman came to this well, so Jesus meets this woman at the well, he's sitting down with her and he says to her, will you give me a drink? The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Like Jews, again, like I said, Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. And this woman is actually acknowledging to Jesus, like, why are you talking to me? Like you're sitting here with me at this well. Why are you talking to me? And if you look at the story a little bit more in context, what's really interesting is it was probably around noon. So I don't know if you've ever like drug water around and pick up jugs of water. Like I don't want to do that in the middle of the day. That's like a lot of work. And normally in this, in this time period, what they would have done, they would have done that either in the early morning mostly or sometimes in the evening. Like you're not going to do this in the middle of the day. So it begs the question, why is she there in the middle of the day? Why is Jesus meeting her? Jesus should have gone around, but he's meeting this woman right where she is. Jesus answered her and said, if you knew the gift of God and who was asking you, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus is telling her, like he's trying to explain to her who he actually is. He's saying, I'm the living water. I'm the one that has life. She doesn't get it. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from himself, as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water, I'm sure I can just see him pointing at the well. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up with eternal life. Jesus is meeting her right where she is and is trying to implore her, trying to explain to her that like, whatever you think this is, I am better. Whatever you think this water will suffice for you, I am better. And what's really interesting about that phrase is it, it's, 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 it's a phrase that they would have probably been somewhat familiar with because it's the same phrase that they used in, in, uh, in the Old Testament when, when God identifies himself as the spring of living water. Even with this well, like wells only work if there's a spring that's fueling them. 
Like a well that doesn't have something to, to give it life, it dries up. But Jesus is trying to tell this woman, this woman he shouldn't have been talking to in a country he shouldn't have been in, at a time of day he shouldn't have been there. I am the one you're looking for. She's not getting it. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't be thirsty again and have to keep coming back here to draw more and more water. So she's like, she thinks he's still talking about like real water. Like, oh, if I drink this water, magic, mm, not thirsty. Not, this isn't how this works. He said to her, go call your five husbands. Call your husbands and come back. She says, I have no, hu- I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right. You say you have no husband. The fact is you have five husbands and the man you are with now isn't even your husband. She kind of got called out. Sir, the woman said, I see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on the mountain, but the Jews claim that there's a place in Jerusalem to worship. The woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared to her, I, the one you're speaking to, I am he. Jesus is literally telling her, I'm the Messiah that you're looking for. Like, it's me. I'm him. And she just doesn't get it. She's missing it. He's right in front of her face. Not only is he right there, he's like not even speaking in metaphors anymore of like, you know, I'm the living water. And he's like waiting for her to catch up. He just sits there and he goes, I'm the guy. So it begs the question to me, why didn't she see it? What did she see that she didn't see Jesus, the Messiah, the one that could save her right in front of her, and she's missing it? She's missing it. I don't know if it was her circumstances that she could see or that, that it was the whole deal that Jesus called her out on her sin, and she's like, well, that, was, that got complicated really quick. How does he know that? Like, I don't know what it is, but she missed it. And then I had to be really honest with myself, and I'm like, I think I miss it all the time too. I think it's easy for me to miss it. Because there's so much junk in the world that fights for my attention that it's easy for me to forget that Jesus is right there with me and what he says most matters most. And I think what can happen is in these situations where we have all this noise around us, we can actually begin to take those things on as our identity. That the things around us that are going on in our life, the decisions that we make, those are the things that can begin to speak identity over us. At the same way the woman at the well missed Jesus, we go through life and we miss who he says that we are because of all the garbage. Like it made me think about this, like we see ourselves through our bad decisions. It's so easy for us to say like, I am that thing. That decision that I made, that's me. That's who I am. That's, you know, that's just who I am. This horrible decision is just who I am. And we kind of live that out. And then we have this like horrible experience of living out bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. And it can all be traced back to this time that we decided this is just who we are. And Jesus is going, no, 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 no. That's not who you are. I've come to seek and save. I've come to give you life and life everlasting. You're not defined by this thing. You're defined by what I say you are. This broken decision that you made isn't your identity. I, I, I get to say who you are. The second one is this, and this one's a little bit, a little bit more heavy. It's like sometimes we see ourselves through our trauma. 
Some of us in this room have had some horrible, terrible things happen to us or in our family. And like, there's been some big T trauma. I mean, that's the story of my family. We've had some horrible things happen and it's easy to say things like it was my fault or, 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 it, you know, I, this happened because of me. And, and listen to me, if you've experienced some, some big T trauma in your life, look at me, listen to me, listen, listen, listen to me, friend. That was not your fault. The only thing that has helped me in that situation in my life has been begging the Lord to show me his goodness in the midst of that really hard thing and realizing that in the same way that I've had this deep well of pain that God wants to meet me with his equal level of healing and restoration in my life. That he wants to meet me in the deepest parts of my pain. That there's no bit of pain that's so deep that his, his wells are deeper still, friends. His wells of goodness and grace are deeper still. That he wants to, to take that deep hurt that you've carried for years and he wants, to, he wants to restore you back to being whole in the places you feel like you just can't get out. Those things do not define you, my friends. Sometimes it's bad friends we see ourselves through. Like we know they're bad friends. <laughs> We still hang out with them. No problem. Great. But what gets tough is when we allow the things that they say to define our identity. Like we know they're bad friends and then we're surprised when they say bad things and then we just take it on as our identity. I'm going, that's just, no, 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 no. Like I hope we have friendships in our life with people who don't know who Jesus is. And I'm not saying those, those are bad friends. I'm just saying like, like there's times in our lives where we feel like, well, we just have to have our little holy huddle and not let anything bad. It's like, no, 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 stop. We need to be in places where Jesus would be. And those are hard places. But let's bring our full self uh, into those places of knowing who we are in Jesus so that when we go into those places, it's not that the, the place changes us. It's that the very spirit of God that we walk with, we walk in with confidence because God wants to change it. Students, he wants to change your school and use you to do it. Adults, he wants to change your workplace and he wants you to do it. He doesn't want you to conform to what's going on around you. He wants to give you the strength to stand in those situations and be confident in who you are so that you don't have to explain yourself away. It's like, no, like you know who Jesus is and you get to say who Jesus is. You get to show who Jesus is. Sometimes it's hard, hard situations. Like there's just some of us in this room that have had, we've had enough hard things in our short uh our short life that like you talk to your friends, there's like 10 other people. If you put them all in a room, it's like, and you combined all of their hard things. It's like, it just doesn't even touch yours. <laughs> and what can happen for me in those hard places and those hard circumstances, because I've had some hard things in my life, I can put a box around me and not, and just be like, oh, nobody can understand my pain. I can just deal with this on my own. I don't need people's help. I don't need all these types of things. And all of a sudden I've built this horrible box of isolation and I feel completely alone. And I wonder why am I alone? And it's because I, I, I built a box of isolation. I, I, I don't trust people with my pain because I've been hurt. And sometimes I just need some really good friends to, 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 to walk me through my pain and just sit with me in my grief. I need people to, to, you know, there's a story in the Old Testament where Moses was holding up his hands to, as people were crossing the, the Red Sea. It was this miracle. And we always celebrate Moses, but we forget this part of the story where some people had to come and hold Moses' arms up because he just got tired. 
I need friends in my life that can hold my arms up when I'm tired and my situations are tough. I need friends in my life that, that when I'm scared to death and my knees are rattling because I'm so terrified of what's going to happen that they can grab my knees and they can look me in the eyes and say, we're going to get through this together. God's going to walk us through this. It may be, may be hard, but we're going to walk through it together. And I can take those things on as identity. I can take social media on. Like, how do we see ourselves? We see ourselves through social media a lot. We see these influencers and these fake things and, you know, these people who rent Lamborghinis and they are really good at booking Airbnbs and they tell you how you can make $8 million. It's like, that's not even real. But yet we think that that's what we're supposed to measure up to. Or, or parents, we see these like, these like influencer families that are like living in Hawaii and making YouTube videos. We're like, that's what we're supposed to, life is like. It's like, that's not real. Like, we got to quit holding ourselves up to these, like, unreasonable standards and then feeling guilty and shame like we're not doing stuff for our kids. Like, this is garbage. God entrusted you with those children. Believe that and trust that, that he saw fit to trust those kids to you. We see ourselves through our shame and our guilt and we just see the sin cycle come and like we just, we take shame and we, we, we wear it as our cloak. It's like we take shame, we're like, I'm just worthless. I'm not worth anything. This is just who I am. And God's going, that's just not who you are. Sometimes it's fear. We're just so scared that, it, that, that it's just always gonna be this way that we just don't walk in confidence of who we are in Christ. And you know how we know who we are? It, it's just... Here's the thing, friends. We, 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 we end up, it's, it's like we're holding up this mirror to, with the things around us. I mean, you can fill in the blank with what yours is. And we hold up this mirror and, and, we, and, we're, and we're placing our value in, in the mirror, the things around us that we're giving. Like, this is who we say we are and this is, this is it. This is who I am. This is who I am. And then all of a sudden when we meet Jesus, it's like we all of a sudden realize that the mirror we've been holding up with this broken world around us, that it's broken. That the things that we thought our value was in is broken. That the, that the, the thing, and you fill in the blank for you. Like, I don't need to fill in the blank for you. You fill in the blank, like, that there's things in your life that are literally broken and you're allowing those things to speak value into you. And God's going, no, no, that's not who you are. Why? Because of this. Listen to this, listen, 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 listen. The creator determines something's value, not the created order. Listen to me. The creator, God, your father is who's given you value and worth. It's not the brokenness of the world. It's not the things of this world that give us our values. And the sooner we realize that, the sooner we can replace the mirror with who he says that we are. Like we've got, listen, 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 put the mirror down. Put the mirror down and pick his word up. Like, put the mirror down. Students, quit holding up your friends. Quit holding up social media. Quit holding up those things. People, adults in this room, quit doing the exact same thing. You act like you don't do the same things. We know you do. I'm a parent. I'm growing up at the same time my kids are growing. Like, don't tell the students I said this. Parents, you and I both know that we're growing up at the exact same time as our kids. Earmuffs, students, so you didn't hear that. Like, you're, like we're all growing up in the same way. The greatest thing, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. The greatest thing you can give your kids, your, your spiritual children, the, the people you have proximity to, is to remind them who Jesus says that they are. And listen to me. 
This is Psalms 139. Lord, you search me, you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You, are, you created me in my most being. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. You praise me because I, you pray, I praise you because you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. You knitted me together. Such knowledge of this is too wonderful for me to grasp. Where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee from you? I'm God's handiwork. I'm God's masterpiece. Pray these things over your kids. Pray these things over your family. Pray these things over your friends. I don't want my daughters to just think that dad thinks they're beautiful and dad, like those are all good things, but I'm most concerned that they know that the things I'm saying about them or through them have been put through the very word of God and it's the exact same thing God is saying over them, that they're a masterpiece, that they're a workmanship, that they've been knitted together, that they have reason and they have purpose and they have value, not because of the performance they put on this world, but because God the Father has deemed them worthy. And you are so worthy, my friends, that he sent his son Jesus to die for you, to pay the ultimate price for you. That that God would send his very best for you and for me. So here's how we're gonna close today. Man, we gotta put down the mirror. Here's how we're gonna close. If you would, it's, it's not going to get weird. No one's going to like, no one's going to get weird or anything. It's fine. You can, you can do it. Just bow your head and close your eyes where you're at. And for some of you, you may not have done this for a really long time or maybe ever. I just want you to talk to God for a second and listen. And I just simply want you to ask this question. Jesus, what do you see? What do you see when you look at me? What do you see? Just listen. He sees something that he loves. He sees something filled with purpose. He sees something that he created. He sees someone that he loves. He sees someone who, although you're in pain right now, that he wants to walk you through it. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. He sees someone who loves him. He sees someone who longs for him. He sees someone that he wants to be with, that he longs to know. He sees someone that he looks on with love and joy and peace. He sees someone he's not distracted by. He sees someone he's not discouraged by. He sees someone that he loves with his whole heart. He sees someone that he created in his very image that he loves so much. He loves you. Don't don't ever lose this. He loves you so much. He wants to spend eternity with you. That's how much he loves you. Eternity is a long time. And he's so crazy about you. He gave up his best. So that he could spend eternity with you and give you life everlasting. Jesus, we love you. We give you all the praise and all the glory, God. I pray specifically for anyone in this room today that just needs to say yes to you. That they just need to say yes, that that Jesus, you are my Lord, you are my Savior. I'm giving my life to you. We give you all the praise and all the glory, Jesus. Amen.